Who is God? What does the Bible mean? the Bible mean? Why am I lying? What is God's will? I want to understand. Hello and Happy New Year, everybody. I know it's a little bit late, but it's the first podcast of this new year and it's wonderful to have you with us as we go into this new year. We've got lots of great content for you, looking deep into the Bible, the things that are going to aid our faith walk, whether we're new to faith, whether we're experiencing our faith. I hope that you can find something for you here in the Reconnect podcast, the official English podcast of Shincheonji. And at the end of last year, we wrapped up our series dealing with God's Armory. I loved doing that series. One focused on Ephesians 6. And in the final episode of that series, we dealt with the importance of prayer. Indeed, prayer is mentioned last in the list of the pieces of armor and the weapons that Paul instructs us as believers to equip ourselves with in order to be victorious in the spiritual battles that we face. We spoke about how prayer is powerful not just because through it we are able to ask God to help us, but also because it gives us a unique opportunity to assess or examine and look at the state of our hearts. By paying attention to what we feel driven to pray for, we can actually see what our hearts are focused on. Of course, we all face circumstances and situations over which we have no personal control. And in those times, we might find ourselves more eager to pray. And usually it's it's motivated by our own situations. I definitely feel that as well. It's totally natural, of course. But here's the thing. The Bible actually gives us a lot of guidance on prayer, how to pray, and the kinds of prayers that God hears. Now, you might think, oh, but surely, surely God hears all prayers. What do you mean the kind of prayers that God hears? He should hear all of them. He's God. I know when I started really unpacking this topic, there were a few points that I had just simply taken for granted because I'd learned them from pop culture, common ideas, just what I'd heard. But remember, as believers, popular culture, inspirational movies, and the ideas of people are not the foundation on which we should build our faith. Our faith must be founded on the Word of God. With this in mind, over the next few episodes, we're going to be unpacking prayer. We'll start by going through some teachings about prayer. Then we will also look at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse by verse. We'll examine what it is that Jesus taught us to pray for and why. Along the way, we'll have to confront a few ideas about prayer and see how they stack up against what is actually taught in God's Word. And at the end of the series, we'll have a clear and biblical standard for how to pray so that our prayers are certainly heard by God and so that God would surely answer them. And so before we get started and jump into this topic, I want you to do something with me right now. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I'm going to give you a few moments to say a short prayer. Now, obviously, if you are driving, or if you are in any kind of dangerous situation, if you're manning a forklift or something at the moment, please don't close your eyes. Just Open your heart and let whatever is on your heart be voiced. So join me in prayer after a few moments. I'll finish off this time with a short prayer and we can get into the episode. 
Dear Heavenly Father God, I want to thank you for your grace in giving us your word so that we may know you. We offer up this time to you, this time of fellowship and study with all who are listening in this moment of time. Please see our seeking hearts and grant us deeper understanding of your word so that we may know you fully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Fantastic. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17, Paul tells the believers, which is including ourselves, to pray continually. Jesus also told his disciples to do the same. In Luke 18 verse 1 to 5, it says this. Let's go there quickly and have a look at it. Luke 18 verse 1 to 5 says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Amen. Now, we are going to come back to the story that Jesus told because there's a bit more to it than teaching us to bother God until he gives us what we want. But for now, the takeaway for us should be the persistence of the widow in this story. If Jesus is telling us to be like that widow, and later in the New Testament, Paul also tells us to pray continually, there's obviously something we should take seriously, right? But prayer is something that can easily fall by the wayside in our lives of faith. When I invited you to a small prayer just before, what was it that you immediately thought to pray for? When do you most often feel the urgency or pressure to pray? Often, we feel the most urgent need to pray when we face difficulties or stressful, even potentially dangerous situations. Perhaps we pray most fervently when the pressures of time and desire are aligned in such a way that the only way we can see for us getting what we want is through the intervention of a power greater than our own. But what if despite our sincerity and fervent prayers, they just seem to go unnoticed and unanswered? For many people, prayer, perhaps the most ardent and heartfelt prayers of their lives, has come right before some of their greatest disappointments. We are told in Proverbs 13 verse 12 that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Amen. How many movies, cards, social media messages, and well-intentioned sermons have led us to believe that God hears our prayers and that He always answers We are taught in so many ways that we are all God's children, (laughs) a point we'll come back to later in the series, and that he hears all our prayers. When our prayers seem to go unanswered, whether they are about small or large matters in our lives, it is easy to feel disheartened. After all, hope deferred makes the heart sick. It would seem then that for the health of our hearts, and, and by hearts we're talking about the same place we recently spoke about as being protected by the breastplate of righteousness, and the same place in which we are to seal or write the word of God, according to the new covenant. For the health of our hearts, we need to understand more about prayer 
and hope because mishandling either one of those could cause us to unwittingly injure ourselves. To understand more, let's look at some of Jesus's key teachings about prayer. In Matthew chapter 5 and 6, Jesus is giving his famous Sermon on the Mount. These two chapters are a collection of teachings that Jesus gave to the people who followed and believed what he was preaching at the time of the first coming. A lot of what he taught in these two chapters falls into the category of instructions or teachings as far as the four contents of scripture is concerned. For those of you who need a quick refresher, remember the type of information in the Bible can be divided into four types of content. History, instructions or teachings, prophecy, and lastly, fulfillment. This means that these teachings are meant to be understood literally. These instructions, they're they're literally understood and applied to our day-to-day behaviors and the lifestyles of those who choose to follow Jesus. In chapter 5, he talks about the things that seem to apply more to interpersonal relationships and social interactions, things like murder, adultery, and lying, for example. In Matthew 6, Jesus shifts gears a bit, and he starts talking about things that today we might consider more personal. He talks about acts of charity, prayer, and worrying about our physical well-being. And for the next section, we'll look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 9. In this verse, Jesus gives us his first teaching about prayer. In Matthew 6, verse 5 to 6, it says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Amen. For both us and God, prayer is a personal practice. There's nothing wrong with prayer meetings, right? Sure. But we need to remember that the motivation for our prayers should be sincere and personal. He goes on to say in verses 7 to 8, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Amen. This is a bit of foreshadowing of the teaching Jesus gives us later in the chapter, where he tells those following him to essentially just trust God. God knows what his people need, and he's ready to supply their needs. Our creator, the one who has been working since the time of Eden to redeem and reconnect with his corrupted creation, also knows that every one of our needs will be met, and every one of our wishes fulfilled when his goal is achieved. That's why instead of promising to listen to and answer every prayer, God tells us in his word that he answers the prayers of those who seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We can see this very clearly in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, which says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Amen. In this passage, Jesus is continuing to talk about how we do not need to worry about what we will eat, what we will wear. He points out that God knows what we need and will supply us with everything if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What was it that you prayed for earlier in this episode? 
What is it that you are most ardently hoping for? I guess the question we each really all need to ask ourselves is: What could, if it were deferred, delayed, or simply not given to me, make my heart sick? Perhaps you've heard inspirational preachers use some verses to unfairly place blame on believers for their prayers that seem to go unanswered. One verse that is often used in this way is in the book of James. Let's turn there together because. I really would like to make something clear here, for the sake of our hearts, which are very important to both us and God. So we're going to go to James one verse five to eight. It says, "If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord." He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Amen. Just upon reading this verse, it seems really to be teaching that if we pray and we have any doubts, then God will just simply judge our prayer as being unworthy of His attention. There are many teachers and preachers out there in the world who will happily accept donations from believers in exchange for prayers for healing or happiness, and then when the prayers don't work, the blame is. Placed on the person who is petitioning God, they're encouraged to increase their faith and often increase their offerings too. This is a hallmark of the predatory practices of the prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel preachers who appear to be some kind of superstar celebrity preachers. If you've ever been in a situation like the one I just mentioned, I am sorry. I have too, and I know it feels really horrible, but I have good news for you. That verse in James is only part of the story. There are other things we should all know about prayer. We know now that our prayers should be sincere and personal, also persistent. If we remember about the parable about the widow we read earlier, and also our prayers should be offered to God, trusting that He will answer. But do you remember what it says in Matthew six, verse thirty-three? But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well, Amen. By all these things, Jesus is referring to the "What will you eat and what will you wear?" mentioned just earlier in the chapter. Those are the primary concerns of the people living in that kind of society at that time, two thousand years ago. Perhaps today we have other worries: How will we commute? <laughs> Or how will we stay in contact with people over long distances? Not really the same worries, or you know, that people two thousand years ago could have really imagined. How will we pay our phone bills? How will we pay our rent? How will I support my family? But all of these concerns are a part of the same package as what will you eat and what will you wear. They are all the all these things that will be given to us also if we seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness. Now, although the conditional nature of this promise seems to be a far cry from the heartwarming and inspiring messages we receive through much of pop culture, there is a powerful seed of hope and truth at its core. It is always better to have a real, solid hope than the vague and fluffy illusion of hope. Right? If we recognize that there is a conditional aspect to having our prayers answered, we're able to check whether we're meeting the standards set. And grow our faith. 
This does, of course, depend on whether or not we choose to trust the one who set the conditions. That one is God, our Creator. In order to do this, we need to be prepared to accept what His Word, the Bible, says about prayer, not just in a single verse or inspirational quote, but as a whole. Now, of course, there is far too much to cover in a single podcast episode. There is a whole lot more than just these concepts that I'm talking about today. And if you are interested in knowing more, please reach out to us. We have so many great Bible study options for you, online, offline as well. So please contact us, and so we can delve deep into the Bible together. All right, I want to read two other verses now. Proverbs 15, verse 29 says, "The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayer of the righteous." And John 15, verse 7 says. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Here we have another two uncomfortably conditional ideas about prayer. The proverb told us that God hears or listens to the prayers of the righteous, but that He is far from the wicked, implying that He either doesn't hear or ignores their prayers. And in John 15, Jesus doesn't say. Hey now, we're all good. Ask me for stuff, and I'll just give it to you. <laughs> no, there's a big if at the beginning of that verse. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Let's pause here for a moment. Look, if you are feeling taken aback, perhaps even a bit shocked at this point, I know exactly how you feel. I felt exactly the same when I started realizing that the comfort I drew from my faith. Before I really started studying God's word, was a lot like the way I thought about Santa Claus as a child, bargaining and trading are very human ways of behaving. Prayer, however, is not a bargain or a trade. We're not leveraging God's good graces to get what we want by pleading with Him or using some kind of holy formula. Prayer. Like Jesus told us in Matthew six, verse five to eight, must be sincere, but it also must flow out from our hearts, which are filled with God's word. I hope this reminds you of what was said in our previous episode. When we pray, we get to examine our own hearts. Again, I'll ask, what was it that you prayed for at the beginning of today's episode? What are the things? We feel strongest about bringing before God. What could, if it were deferred, delayed, or simply not given to me, make my heart sick? What is it that I am truly seeking first? As a small spoiler, I'd like to direct your attention to a point that we have spoken about before. What is God's righteousness? What and where is God's kingdom? Simply from Jesus's teachings about prayer. It becomes clear how important both of these things are. If we don't know what God's righteousness is, or what and where His kingdom is, how on earth are we going to seek it? So I want to show you something really beautiful here. Let's take a look once more at Matthew six verse thirty-three. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Amen. Do you see what it says? The condition is not that God will only supply your needs if you find His kingdom and righteousness. 
He promises to supply all your needs if you seek them. The idea of seeking something is actually quite an emotional one. We're not talking about a casual game of where's Wally or hide and seek here. Maybe where's Waldo for those in America. We're talking about having God's kingdom and righteousness as your number one goal here. In our episode about the breastplate of righteousness, we spoke about how God's righteousness is the fact that he always keeps his word. When he promises something, he fulfills it, and that's his righteousness. From our perspective, that means the fulfillment of prophecy is God's righteousness. When we seek that, we are essentially seeking or desiring as our number one goal the same thing as God. Since the time of Eden, God has been working to reconnect with his physical creation. To do this, he established a covenant with people throughout history. Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses. He promised his people that he would send them a messenger through whom he would make a new covenant, Jesus. And finally, Jesus promised to return to fulfill that covenant in the future. But every time he has made a covenant with people, corruption, sin has crept in and resulted in the covenant being broken. We can see from the account of scripture that God's goal is clear. It culminates in the promise of Revelation chapter 21, with the establishment of God's kingdom where we can be together with God and where all the corruption of sin is done away with. The fulfillment of this promise is what God wants us to put as our top priority, just as it is His. When God's goal is achieved, so is ours. The Bible is not, despite how it is so often read and used, our story. It's God's story. It is God's word through which He reveals Himself to us. To read it as a simple book of history and descriptions of prescribed behavior for good and moral living is to miss the point entirely. It is the story of God given to us so that we can know him and recognize him. It's given to us so that when God fulfills his promises, we can recognize and believe in him. But we can only do that if we are sincerely seeking. From Matthew 6 verse 33, Jesus goes on to talk more on the topic in Matthew 7. Let's go there. Matthew 7 verses 7 to 12. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Amen. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. God, our creator, who has given us the account of what his work has been and what his plans are for how he's going to set matters right after the corruption of his creation, this very God wants us to seek first his kingdom and righteousness because he knows that this is the hope that will not be deferred. We can be assured that he will keep his word and what he has planned will certainly come to pass. Of course, 
In order to really seek for his kingdom and righteousness, we need to know what it is and where to start looking, right? If we really want to seek and search for it, perhaps similarly to how the woman in Jesus' parable of the lost coin seeks for that one coin, we should be prepared to do whatever we can to find it. If God's kingdom and righteousness are really our top priority, when we pray, we would pray that God would complete his work and fulfill everything that he had promised as soon as possible so that we can, in fact, find it because we already know that God's kingdom is promised to us in scripture and is revealed as the fulfillment of God's promises. Taking this line of thought just a little further, it is really important to remember what James chapter 2 verse 14 to 17 says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Amen. If finding God's kingdom and righteousness are our top priority in life, then we will humbly pray for God's help in our search. But prayer must be accompanied by action. And both of these must be based on God's word, which is a record of his work in the past and his plan for the future. In short, this is God's will. What I am really trying to get here is this. If we determine in our hearts to really seek God's kingdom and righteousness, then we also need to make ourselves available to serve him in doing his will on earth as it is done in heaven. Hey, and I'm, I'm sure that sounds pretty familiar, right? When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he started by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he went straight on, not to praying for healing or world leaders or for being able to find a convenient parking spot. But he says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a direct reference to what Jesus knows God's will is. The fact that Jesus could pray like this is proof that his heart and mind were just full to the point of overflowing with God's word. When your heart, like Jesus's, is full of God's word, guess what's going to flow out of your mouth? In a confrontation with the Pharisees in Matthew 12, Jesus has some pretty strong things to say about the words that come out of their mouths. And the principle stands for people whose hearts are filled with God's word as much as it does for people whose hearts are filled with the teachings of men. This is what Jesus said, Matthew 12 verse 34. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen. What is it that is flowing out of my mouth when I pray? What is my heart full of? How about you? These are very important questions we should ask ourselves every day. Now, if you're struggling with your prayer life, this may all seem a bit far down the line for you. Perhaps you're struggling with just simply praying itself. What can you do if you just don't know how to pray? Don't worry, I've got you. <laughs> Over the course of the next series, I really want to help you develop and grow your prayer life. Together, we're going to examine how our spiritual lives have three incredibly important pillars. The Word of God, prayer, and action. 
Although we put a lot of effort and love into producing this podcast for all of you, a podcast is a poor substitute for the depth of understanding you can gain from joining one of our study groups. These groups are available online or in person all over the world. And we here at the Reconnect Podcast would love to help you get connected to a study group. If you are interested, check the description of this episode for the link to the sign-up sheet. It's hosted on our sister blog. That's www.asitisinheaven.com. But the as it is in heaven part is all hyphenated. As hyphen. It hyphen. Is hyphen. In hyphen. Heaven.com. That was probably the most confusing thing I've ever said. We'll be back soon with our next episode in which we will dive deeper into the topic of prayer. Until then, I'll be praying for all of you. And I hope you are able to get something out of this podcast, whether you're well-seasoned in your faith or whether you're brand new to it too. So please stay healthy and stay in the Word of God, and we'll see you next time.